Hey there, beautiful people. Welcome to Novel Takes, the podcast where we lift the veil on business as usual. Join us for our novel takes on business, culture, and the art of getting things done. I'm partner and principal, Rachel Gansboriskin. And I'm founder and principal, Sarah Patrick. It's time for a new novel take. This fall, we're focusing on the shifting nature of work. The culture and structure of work is changing. While many in the silent generation and baby boomers are retiring, their presence and legacy is still very much felt in corporate America, and for that matter, society writ large. The pandemic and those unprecedented times it ushered in accelerated many employment trends that were already underway. The pandemic taught us that work can be done remotely, and many of us appreciated the flexibility that this new schedule provided. Freed from long commutes, we had a chance to pause and reassess where work fits into our lives. As older workers retired due to COVID, the pandemic accelerated the demographic changes of the workplace. And just as millennials and members of Gen X reached points of authority in their careers where they could make some changes, Gen Z began to enter the workforce with their own ideas about how the world of work should be organized. In our last episode, we heard from members of four generations about their experiences with work and tried to bridge the generational divide. Our conversation was thought-provoking and showed both similarities and differences between the generations. If you missed it, you should definitely check it out. Sarah is a millennial and I'm a Gen Xer, so we are both pretty familiar with not only those generations, but the larger cultural discourse surrounding them. And while there have been endless think pieces over the years about boomers and millennials, and even the occasional piece on Gen Xers in the workplace, there haven't been as many about Gen Z for the simple reason that they're really just entering the workforce now. Rather than opine about what we think is important to them, we thought it might be a good idea to ask them. We spoke to three thoughtful young professionals to hear their perspectives. Although we recorded the interviews separately, we have brought our guests into virtual conversation with each other. Today is the first of two episodes exploring the thoughts and experiences of this new generation of professionals. In this first episode, our guests will be talking about their career paths, their approach to work, their values, and how they see work fitting into their lives now and in the future. But first, I'll let our guests introduce themselves. My name is Nate Hillier. My name is Kelsey Klesik. My name is Shen Gao. Nate, Kelsey, and Shen are recent college graduates and are just starting in their careers. Full disclosure, the three of them are also former students of mine. Nate currently works in PR. I'm an assistant account executive at the Castle Group. I'm really lucky to get my hands on a lot of different kinds of media. My job is half PR, half social media. I get to really split my time between a lot of um, earn media, own media, touch a lot of different aspects of comms in general. Kelsey, who works in higher education, juggles a couple roles. I'm a jack of all trades, but full-time I work as a financial aid counselor at Northeastern University. I work with our College of Professional Studies students. I'm also a part-time student at Northeastern within the Master of Professional Studies in Digital Media. And then on the side, I moonlight with creative consulting and design work, whether it be in print, web, social media, et cetera, just anything design. I love it. Shen's path has been a little different. Right now, I'm taking a bit of a career break. I used to work in the technology sector as a product manager, working on various digital products, such as websites, mobile apps, and things like that. 
Right now, I'm mostly focusing on taking care of the household. So my partner, my dog, and doing more of the household chores. And then on the side, when I do have time, I'm trying to start my own small business. When Nate graduated from Emmanuel College, he knew generally the field in which he wanted to work. I think I always knew I wanted to do some sort of comms, but to this day, I don't think I've entirely narrowed that down. Hence why I'm at an agency and particularly in an agency role where I get to do two different kinds of things. I think that in my internship experience, I was getting a lot of different types of experience, everything from editorial writing to social media marketing, analytics, all sorts of things. I had one towards the end of my college experience. I had my third unpaid internship and it was this lovely one woman marketing agency. And that's where I really found my passion that I was able to do something different every day. I was helping with website design one day and then I was doing PR the next. I think that's what drew me to, to where I am now, just being able to get my hands on as many different things as I could. While Nate pursued a career in the field he studied, Kelsey, who had been a communications major in college, felt more limited in her options. I graduated from Simmons in 2019, and I took on the role as a student worker within financial aid very early on at Simmons. As Rachel can attest, I took on quite a few roles during my time. But when it came time to graduate, both of my parents had left the state at that point. So I was kind of like, if I'm going to stay in Boston, I want to find a career that I know has staying power, that I'm not going to be worried about job security, that I know I'll have a steady income that will be able to pay for my everyday needs. I wasn't necessarily in a position where I could have taken on a more creative role, something that was more fitting to the work I had been doing. I was definitely in a place financially where I wanted to make sure that I was making smart decisions. And also, you know, working in higher education has its benefits as you continue working. So it wasn't necessarily that I was losing out. It was just that I was making a smarter long-term decision for me to start off in higher education. When we sat down to talk to Shen, I was a little surprised to hear that she was taking some time off. As a student, Shen had been conscientious and deeply focused on her work. When we'd been in touch in the first year after her graduation, she was working at a tech startup on the West Coast. So I was especially interested in what had brought her to where she is today. When I first graduated college, I think I was not sure what I wanted to do. I just wanted to find a company that will take me and hopefully grow from there. And I jumped from one job to another, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I went from being a graphic designer to a UX designer to then a product manager. Shen struggled with the culture of Silicon Valley. I think so many people here work in tech. I feel like it's like overwhelming. There's like a hustle culture, like always working hard, but like working long hours as well. Maybe in the East Coast, there's like less of a tech presence there where there's more diverse types of jobs where um, maybe people are still being held to that kind of crazy standard, but I think in the tech industry, especially, it's pretty common. You know, you meet someone at a party or whatever. It's like, what do you do? Oh, I work in tech. I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I'm a designer. You know, there's a lot of companies around here that are really young. And what they expect of you is like, well, if you're not working till 12 a.m., are you really trying to make this happen? Are you really part of this? So I think in some companies, that belief is like super ingrained where you have to work every second that you're free. Eventually, Shen decided it was just too much. 
I was really burnt out. There was so much to do. I never felt like I was on top of anything. I was working from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. nonstop, barely fit in lunch. And then after work, I'd have no energy to do anything else. And on the weekends, I would have no energy to do anything. And I was just super stressed out. So I decided to just quit. There were a few different factors that was really just straining my mental health. And I wanted to take some time to just breathe and focus on my mental and physical health. And so looking back, I was at that job for maybe a year and a half, I would say. And looking back, I was just like, how did I live like that? It's not a way that I want to live again. In a completely different industry, Kelsey was also struggling with a lack of balance. When I first got out of college, I ended up in positions that expected a lot from me. We didn't necessarily have the resources for enough staff members. We didn't have resources for enough time management. There was a lot of responsibilities that I held on my plate that, especially as somebody who had just gotten out of college, somebody who was new to the working world, I didn't recognize should not have necessarily been all on my plate. And so I was working long, long days. I was working weekends. I was doing all I could, especially because my work isn't just behind the scenes. It is working with real people who have real issues and real concerns. It is with money. So there is that extra responsibility of knowing that I'm not reporting to just a faceless person behind a desk. So having that responsibility all on me was a lot. It was a lot of responsibility. And like I said, I'm a hard worker. I pride myself in that so I could do it. But I realized after taking kind of a new role and growing within my career that work-life balance is extremely important because you can keep working and working and working and working, but your body is always going to have a limit, whether you want it to or not. And if you don't take the time to take care of yourself, your body is going to choose that limit for you. And it's often going to be at a time that you don't want it to happen. And then, of course, I mean that in that you'll get really sick, you'll catch a horrible cold, or you'll be like me and won't be able to do anything creative for three years. It has very different results. You won't be able to choose when you have to stop. And that's the hardest thing about not having a work-life balance. And so that's something like I've definitely tried to prioritize a lot more once I recognized that maybe I wasn't supporting myself as, as good as I should be or holding as hard of boundaries with myself in my work life. You need to build that time in your day and you need to build time to make sure that you're feeding your body and feeding your mind and that you're not just working because you feel you should be or you feel that other people are expecting it of you. You know, it's okay to take a break. And if you don't, your body will take one for you. (laughs) Nate had a similar experience. I think that it's tough right now. I think people are really tired and I think it's hard to stay creative for a very long time. I've only been in the corporate professional workforce for about two years now. I've seen it firsthand, but I've, I've heard it as well that things are just more and more fast paced, lots of quicker turnarounds, things like that. So people are just tired. I'm really lucky to have a version of summer Fridays that we call all season Fridays. So it's every other Friday you get it off, of course, covering 
any pressing things, but if you set yourself up right, you get to take it off. And it's just, it's a nice way to regain that kind of autonomy over your life at the end of a week, banging out things you wouldn't usually be able to. Like, it, it's a nice time to finally get to even things like laundry and taking care of myself and taking care of my apartment. And I think it's just been super instrumental in keeping me grounded throughout the week, throughout the previous week and the week after. I think having time to recharge is something that I'm really grateful for. Shen isn't looking for a job right now, but she's clear that if she decides to go back to work full time, things will need to be different. So if I was to find a full time job, I'll probably have really rigid boundaries for myself. No meetings after five or like I'm only on the computer starting at nine or whatever that is. And no emails, no work stuff after work hours or on the weekends. I think that's probably a boundary I would set for myself. But also, I think maybe not every company will allow it. People may be like, we need to meet at 830 because nobody else has any time before night. So how am I going to take care of myself outside of work then? I think that it would have to be a company where they're really cognizant that people have lives outside of work and they let people make their own boundaries and choices of where that kind of line between work and life is. Hopefully there's kind of work-life balance that can be incorporated into the job. And also hopefully somewhere where I get good benefits. I want to travel and I want to spend time with my partner, my friends, and then also visit my family who are in China. I think those are probably some of the main things that I would look for. And also things like having mentorship and space to grow and working with folks who are like-minded, who want to really do good work. As Shen reconsiders her relationship to work, she's also rethinking how the work itself is connected to the world. What kind of work do I want to work on? And so the last couple of roles that I had, one of them was in immigration and criminal justice advocacy. So I thought that space was really interesting. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to contribute. And then, you know, my next job was in social impact. But because we're an agency, we kind of work on a ton of different projects, depending on what our clients have in mind. And in that job, we covered things like affordable housing and, and health and access to information and things like that. And if I was to have a full-time job again, I definitely want to work on something that would be meaningful, that would really improve the lives of folks, especially people who may be underprivileged or underserved. Yeah. So I like, I definitely want to work on something like that versus things like, I don't know, crypto or something that I don't feel like is contributing to, to humanity. For Nate, the values and mission of his workplace matter. And I think something that I'm really drawn to is mission-driven work. So I'm lucky to work with some really great nonprofits and kind of equity-oriented organizations and coalitions. I think I also was really drawn to a woman-run agency. I work with incredible people who do a lot of incredible work around Boston, beyond Boston. And I think that's something that I, I was really looking for. Nate also notes the ways the values of an organization can affect the work you do. It's hard to do work that you don't feel passionate about. And that's also, I was just chatting with actually a college student that I was just helping to mentor. And I was just telling her, part of good writing is being able to write about something you don't care about. But I think that's different than something that just really doesn't align with who you are and what you really care about. So 
I think, again, like I'm able to work with these really equitable mission-driven organizations and it makes it easier. My work quality is better. When you're aligned with what matters to you, it's just the ideal kind of work scenario in terms of productivity, in terms of quality of life. When we asked Kelsey about how her values factor into her work, she noted a difference between the values of an organization and the values she brings to her work within it. I definitely factor in my values. I don't think that it would be possible for me not to, knowing myself as a person. I think that, especially in the industry I'm in, and I can't speak to other industries necessarily, but in higher education and especially in financial services, it's hard not to get jaded. So I think that's a really big thing in terms of values that I really focus on heavily in terms of my career, especially, like I said, working with students and working with real people who have real life issues that it's my job to help them resolve. It's very hard not to only see outside of yourself and see, oh, this student is sending me all these angry emails. They're being rude to me. Screw them. It's easier to just go off of that idea and create this scenario in your head of exactly what's happening on their end. But if you just pause and take a look at everything, I'd be able to say, okay, they're having a financial struggle. Financial struggles are going to send anybody into a panic. While they're not being the kindest to me right now, it's because they're scared, not because it's anything personal against me. So that's something value-wise that I try to bring in every day of taking that moment to stop, look at the fuller picture and try and see humans for humans and not just the problems that they bring and add to my life. And I think that's something that in higher education, we need a lot more of. And I say that knowing that we are overworked a lot of the time, we are understaffed a lot of the time. It is always going to be a topic that is harder to discuss with people, that isn't an easy topic by any means. So there's always going to be tension. But if we go into any industry, really, with more compassion and understanding for other humans, things can only get better if everybody has that mindset and that mentality of we're just working with other human beings. And of course, there are going to be those human beings out there that are out for destruction and are out to watch the world burn. But if a majority of us can come in with compassion and understanding for each other, even in those moments where we are frustrated and we are at our worst, then things could get better. And that's where I try and go in to any part of my career is like trying to go in with that compassion and understanding and trying to see the other sides of situations and things before I react. I try and pull back and make sure, okay, what's the full picture here? And what isn't being said? What do I need to read between the lines? So I think that's a big value that I bring in. And I think that while that's just one, one value, I, in a way, I feel like it's a thing that's missing in general from a lot of industries right now. Everybody's very focused on themselves. And of course, that makes sense. Again, with where we've been, of course, people are going to need to focus on themselves to an extent. So it's understandable. It's just a daily practice of trying to put yourself in other people's shoes again. In some ways, 
It's not surprising that Kelsey finds ways to suffuse her work with her values. Work has been woven into the fabric of her life, of her DNA. I would say that for me, work has always been a big part of my life. My, my dad's a workaholic, so I grew up seeing how important work was and how beneficial work could be in your life. Not to say that you should waste your life away for a company or anything like that. I saw how my dad found organization, time management skills. He found purpose in his work. And he still does. He's still a workaholic. He'll be a workaholic till the day he dies. And I learned those skills from him and also my mother. She also taught me a lot of important skills as well. But I've always been a hard worker. Larger for me is I want to continue to learn. And that's what my larger career goals are. But even as work is central to Kelsey's identity and plans, she struggles with balancing work and the other things she wants in her life. Where I will say I personally have struggled, and I think that maybe other people, other women especially, that are career-driven might struggle, is knowing where a family plays in with my career goals and feeling like, as a feminist, maybe I'm not choosing the right things. Or if I'm not focusing all my time towards my career, that that's wrong that I'm not going to move forward in my career because I'm taking the time to further other relationships, further discussions with family members, other things in life that are also important. It is an, an ever-continuous juggling act for sure, though. Nate is also trying to figure out where work fits into his life goals. I think with a career, it's something I want to be supplemental to the rest of my life. I think we've Kind of come to this collective point of it can't be your only thing you have going on but at the same time you really do want it to be a fulfilling part of your life where you're seeing growth and personal growth and professional growth it changes day to day for me truthfully at the same time i am really someone who is career oriented and career motivated so it's trying to see where it fits in to the greater picture of things certainly for shen who hit pause on her career these are things she's been thinking about a lot. I think there's the values of what kind of life do you want to live? And this is a topic that comes up so many times in, in therapy. <laughs> what kind of life do you want to live? And for me, I don't want to live the life where I spend 90% of my energy at work. And my values in terms of keeping myself well, how do I be well? I'm really focusing my physical health, my mental health, and doing the things that I like and having the energy to do that. I think those things will be really great if, if I can find them in the next job, which I was to find a job. As we listened to our guests speak, I was struck by the similarities between what they were saying and the kinds of things we've heard from previous guests. And yet, even as they raised these familiar themes, there was something a little different about how they spoke about them, a distinctly Gen Z approach. It was clear that the pandemic which interrupted their lives and education at a pivotal developmental moment, affected them deeply. It made them reevaluate their priorities. And it also taught them that change is possible. Now, not only are they looking for change, they're impatient for it. For me, I was struck by how much humanity factors into their decision-making with regard to work, whether it's recognizing the value their work has for humanity, 
the humanity of those with whom they work or honoring their own humanity as they determine the appropriate work-life balance. We will pick up this conversation on our next episode and hear from our guests about the way the pandemic affected their careers, their thoughts on capitalism, and how they see their generation shaping the future of work. We want to thank Nate Hillier, Kelsey Klazik, and Shen Gao, who were generous with their time and insights. To learn more about them, you can check out their full bios on our website, thinknovel.com. If this conversation has piqued your interest and you want to hear more about what we have to say, Stay tuned for other episodes. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and review us. Give us some love. And if you're curious about what we do over at Novel or think we could help you or your organization, check us out or send us an inquiry over at thinknovel.com. That's T-H-I-N-K-N-O-V-L.com. That's it for us. Shout out to everyone who helped us make this show. This is Novel Takes. 